0: When looking for the king of podcasts, you're at the wrong channel.
1: Well, excuse me!
2: Looking for good ideas for life? You're far from good hands. Hey bud, what's your problem? If
0: you think the listener is always right, you're far from the right place. Out of order! Even in the future, nothing works! it. a Northeasterner by birth, but a rebel by choice. Are you threatening me? If you want a host that floats between love and madness, and we know the night is always gonna be here anyway, thinking of who's working up my appetite, looking forward to a little afternoon delight, then
1: play on and listen
0: to Crazy Train Radio. Alright, guys, uh, listen to this blues riff and B. Watch me for the changes and try and keep up, okay? Warning, creators of this game do understand The subject matter may be offensive to some But they do honor the families and people That have been affected by these real life tragedies That these individuals have caused Want to play a game?
2: Oh yeah!
0: Lover of true crime? Yes, yes, yes Well we got Interesting game for you to check out. Wow! With the mashup of influences such as horror movies, collecting cards, and RPGs. What? Led to giving birth to an incredible creation of this game Killers the Card Game. You are all my children now. This game is a collectible trading card game featuring some of the most infamous killers with tidbits of trivia on the back of each card to help you learn some insight to each criminal Who the hell are you? Let's not forget during the game cops will be chasing you and these criminals
3: I'm a cop you idiot
0: However. Check out their website listed through all social media today, which can be found under Killers, the card game. Am I on the internet? I want to play a game. Hey folks, it's your least favorite host in the podcast world, Croc, Jonathan Steele. Boy do we have a good one for you today.
2: Upward, and this show rocks it's hardcore ladies and gentlemen you're listening to crazy Train radio
3: hey guys this is sean oliver Kfabe commentaries and click this kevin nash podcast and i want to remind you guys crazy that's how it goes millions of people living as foes maybe it's not too late to learn how to love and forget how to hate we're going off the rails on crazy train radio peace and love
0: peace and love Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages and wrestling fans of all ages, mostly the older ones, because many of these stories have been told from different perspectives, from different situations and different folks that helped kept the lore of ECW alive, even 20 years after going out of business. This new book, our guest, tells the story of his time ECW, but also discusses names such as Paul Heyman, The Sandman, Terry Funk, Styles, Public Enemy, Eddie Gilbert, and others. Thanks to Dr. Mike for this grab, but these next guests are heavily involved with the new book, like, well, hopefully, Todd is God. So let's go ahead and welcome the original owner of ECW, Todd Gordon, and his co-writer who is a... Second time guest with us, Mr. Sean Oliver.
2: Gentlemen, how are we doing? Doing good today. Surprised you invited Sean back a second time. Welcome to prime time, bitch! Ha
1: ha Okay, and Sean, we're going to get to Sean's six books and kayfabe commentaries, all the great work he does. He, uh, when I saw the, the book, and I wanted to promote it almost immediately, and I went on Busted open twice and mentioned it. And the first time, Tommy Dreamer said, "Nice." You know, he was pretty jazzed about it. I thought this was a like a Beatles-esque reference. I forgot, you know, the fans used to chant Todd is God at the shows. But because of Todd's influence and global importance and everything that's in this book, Todd is God, um, with the forward by Terry Funk, which is really, I mean, that, that alone is reason for anybody on the planet to buy the thing. But uh, Todd, your influence still to this day, there's ECW chants. Uh, at arenas all around the world you influence obviously you know when you say that you're the third most uh influential promoter I would think you were the primary in that period of time the 90s uh during the more from eastern to extreme the most influential because look WWF had to change their style entirely to win the war with WCW they came uh, you know the attitude era thing was all ECW the Austin thing was Sandman WCW had to everything you've done with this is your legacy being carried out you know today it's it's kind of mind-blowing and this book chronicles all of that and more stuff we didn't know
2: you're really kind to say that i mean to me it was just an amazing situation to be in to be in a position where even to be mentioned in groups like that you know from our humble beginnings they couldn't have gotten more humble when we started and the way we grew you were there from the beginning you were there back in the eastern days you remember it all
1: well, it was so brilliant because Eddie Gilbert came from the mind, uh, you know, It was prof and finessed by Bill Watts, who learned from Roy Shire, Vince Sr., Ganya, Eddie Graham, Tunney, the, the real Tunney in Toronto. And that was the first guy you used. And then, you know, Heyman, uh, what can you say? He's got the, the most happening Angle storyline in the world today with the bloodline, Um uh, but it's just brilliant. And, and to see the reinvention of people, like, for example, even the women, Missy Hyatt or Nancy, uh, many others, and then the, the creation of these these characters. I mean, when I say reinvention, I'm thinking Matt Bourne, he gets laid off, let go by WWF as Doink, the original Best Doink, and then he comes in. And I was there only for a megasecond in the dark side of the ring, shooting him against Scorpio as Born again, with half of his face painted, and took a ton of photos in the back, uh, with him because I knew his dad, Tough Tony, but but so brilliant. And whenever the WCW Bischoff and, and Vince WWF would take or steal ECW talent, you guys were constantly reinventing. But I love the Eastern Championship stuff, Sullivan and Snuka, you, you, and obviously Eddie and brilliant, brilliant people and Morocco, God, God. God, Morocco. yeah Morocco, who's got a brilliant, brilliant mind too, but. I'm also fond of, uh, you know, the TWA period. I want to read about that in the book, which I just got, with Joel Goodhart. And you beat him to the punch, because his book might not come out till next year. But Todd has got is out there right now for everybody to enjoy. Or actually, when is it going to be, guys? When is it going to be in stores? And right now, people can order it. You
2: can order it now. uh, Pre-order it on Barnes & Noble and Simon & Schuster and a number of places. And it comes out publicly in all the stores July 25th.
1: Okay. And the publisher is Permuted Press. I don't know why I thought. So that'll give me a third chance to plug it on Busted Open. I thought it was an imprint of Simon and Schuster. They're the, the distributor. Perm- Press does all, is it? They're the distributor. Simon
3: and Schuster is the distributor and Permuted Press is the publisher. Yeah.
1: And they're they're pretty major. They do, I think, a lot of sci-fi and all kinds of popular titles. So Todd's Todd has got fits right in. Uh, because to us, he is a superhero. He made the business better. His contributions, Todd Gordon's contributions, are going to outlive us for hundreds and hundreds of years. So this book is, I'm going to start with John now, but this book is must read for everyone. And it's like Christmas in July in the book coming out. I don't know if you guys thought of that, but everybody needs, and this should be in everybody's library, everybody should be reading this and talking about it. You're really kind, Mike.
0: So, Mike, the check is in the mail for the kindness. Oh, but, yeah, I so, love Todd. It's his, so his, good Todd's to let me chat that they
1: gave
0: me. Todd's checks were actually clear, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> but, yeah, different time, whatever. But I know the obvious reason. But, Todd, why was it important to include Sean as your co-writer? Because, obviously, he is a very knowledgeable man to the business he had yeah, k Fake Commentaries, he's a co-host with Kevin Nash on Click This and he's done books as, on his own, like Mike said. So what was it about Sean when you needed a co-writer?
2: It's a no-brainer. I, I did two DVDs with Sean and we were very, very comfortable together. And what would happen is, is we became more and more friendly and started you know, getting together and talking on the phone, whatever it may be. I would just start telling him stories and he started with me years ago. He got to write a book. So I'm not writing a book you got to write a book. I'm not writing a book. Let's just talk. I tell more stories. we gotta keep, we got to record these stories. Little by little, he talked me into it. And we spent months, I mean, eight months maybe, doing the Zoom calls back and forth, which he recorded. And all I did was tell stories. They weren't in, in any kind of order. God, what a Herculean task he had to find the chronological order to fit them into the book. But he did. Uh, he's amazing. He's got a great skill set. And it was just a natural fit together. He's a perfect guy.
3: I agree with him. Uh, but the w- <laughs> what a gift though to be given um, the task of writing something like the start of ECW, the start of something that changed the landscape in which it operates for decades to come. So it, this this was uh, this uh, to say it wrote itself. Um, would be an exaggeration but the material to be given the material uh, that I was made this uh, a far less Herculean task than than Todd realizes because I watched it as a fan and I was very aware of what was happening because it brought me back I, w- I grew up in the 70s and 80s so I was a product of Vince Senior's uh, a show and, and superstar Billy Graham, and then later Hulk Hogan. Um, but you know, when you hit college and the product is putting uh hockey players in the ring and pig farmers in the ring, uh, and and, and what's happening in popular culture, grunge music, Nirvana, uh, Tarantino's films, edgy, dark, adult, risque. I fell out of love with wrestling and I chalked it up to being a childhood um pastime like comic books or something like that where we're might have functioned for other people but then i saw ecw for the first time in 1994 and i said okay um i can suspend disbelief again i can laugh again i can have people not insult my intelligence and swerve me and that and so i was along for the ride so to write about the fertile soil that ECW was planted in was second nature because I lived it from a fan's perspective.
1: Let me say Uh, something quickly too. I don't know if Todd knows this, but I was on the board of Cauliflower Alley Club and after attending the November to remember in 94 and just having a blast in the back, watching Sherry Martell put the flare sort of stencil on her boob for the angle with uh, she was in the main managing Shane and Pillman was, the replacement from WCW of Steve Austin against uh, Ron Simmons and Scorpio. Uh, but such a blast. All the shows I'd seen up to that point, and this one was just a magnificent show. Malenko's against Sabu and uh, Taz. Uh, just uh, everything was amazing about that show. I lobbied the board to give ECW promotion of the year. It's the only, in the near 63-year history of cauliflower alley, it's the only promotion of the year award ever given. But I lobbied them, got to present. So I don't know if Todd, I don't think you were at that one. We were talking about the Terry Funk ninety seven Amarillo Ranch deal. Hmm. But this was nineteen ninety five. Heyman nine 9-1, one or nine one one, public enemy, Dreamer and Taz were there. And uh my the president at the time was Lou Thez so I'm given ECW promotion of the year award in 1995 with uh Thez and Danny Hodge and Vern Gagne and cowboy Dick Hutton an NWA champion behind me and stuff and um, so that was a thrill but I thought well deserved because you could see ECW is going to break. and we haven't even talked about I don't know if it's in the book which I've not been able to read fully yet but Todd's use of, of music, along, you know, with Heyman and other creative minds, the use of popular uh, grunge, et cetera, music, brilliant use, for example, of Beck's Loser for... uh Whipwreck. Uh, Whipwreck. You know, come on, you tapped into that, and every promotion from WWF, now WWE on, you know, tried copying that, but nobody achieved even that. That was just a brilliant nugget of... You know the tons of other things that you're doing, but you know everybody had fantastic music. I mean, Sandman still greatest entrance in the history of the biz, no question. I don't think anybody. Todd, it's uh, this is what you're going to get in reading the the book, and uh, I can't wait.
2: You know, Mikey Whipwreck was going to be called the ultimate warrior. Because his actual character was who he really was. He was so worried about going home and his mom seeing the black eye or seeing like all welled up. He said, I'm going to get in so much trouble. What do I do? What do I do? So we were going to actually call him the ultimate warrior instead of a warrior, obviously. And then we ended up going with Mikey Whitbrick, which is completely different. But music-wise, that was really Paul. He was way ahead of the curve of the music. I was going fucking classic rock and he was turning me on to all that music and I was loving everything he turned me on to.
1: Yeah, I mean, the theme song alone, that was the music of the day. And, you know, where you were getting like, uh, we were talking about all the different goof characters in WWF at the time. And this just felt real. And I think people connected to it so much. The fans were the stars of the show as well. 100%. It was like the... um, Go ahead, sorry. No, I mean, that is a testament to what you created. Is the fans loving it and going out of their minds and the pay-per-views, everything that followed?
2: My whole philosophy from day one is I want to put on a show that I would enjoy seeing. And I knew if I liked it, the kind of fans that came from Philly, they were going to like it too. We were a heel town. Uh, we couldn't stand things being shoved down our throats. We couldn't stand stipulations that we knew were going to be held. We them a stipulation that they'll never tag again. They never tagged again. Even Axel Axelrod never tagged again. Uh, someone got on masks, they got on masks. Clothes got ripped off, they got it. got ripped off. We didn't rip off the fans. And we gave them some of everything. We gave them comedy. We gave them hardcore for sure. We gave them mat wrestling. We gave them uh, the, Ray Mysterio, those guys came in. Everything that was out there that we thought was good, that we liked, we put on
1: the show. I'm throwing to Jonathan, but Eddie and Malenko alone... And then a house show, it wasn't even at ECW Arena I shot, and I thought it was the greatest match of the year, was Benoit Taz. Just a Pegasus kid. You know, I think he came in straight from Japan. I think it was his debut for ECW. And uh, the promotion was magic. Jonathan.
0: But, Sean, I'm curious to know, with writing a book for Todd, with Todd, the whole bit, you said the story tells itself, obviously but how important was it for you to make sure the book sounds like it's Todd speaking and it's in his voice?
3: That's step one. And, uh, the earliest, my earliest exchanges with Todd, when you, when you're writing with someone or for someone in this case, um, you, there's always that question of how much do I show? When do I show? Um, uh first draft stuff can be a little rough sometimes um but i was very comfortable giving todd everything as i wrote it and my first instruction to him was uh we can change verbiage we can change details you have to let me know if i have your voice um i'm doing a book right now with x sean waltman his autobiography and Uh, when he (laughs) read his voice his was yeah yeah that's my voice but I'd like you to clean me up a little bit so it's the first step when you work with somebody and I think because Todd and I have a similar we have a similar sense of humor a similar appreciation for a lot of pop, pop culture things from old guys like us and uh you know I always said at heart I'm an old Borscht belt Jew. And so that allowed us to kind of always draw out the stories the same way. Todd would say to me, um, like hey, we got to the punchline too fast uh, you you got to, you got to stay in the room more. You, you got to say what, what 911 said on the plane after that, he, we, draw the story out more. So we understood, we understood the storytelling. Um, we have a similar uh, uh, outlook on that. So I think, that made it easy for me to become Todd when I wrote.
0: Well, I'm curious from both of you, because like I said in the introduction, that many stories from ECW have been told from different perspectives and everything else like that, whether it be from DVDs with kayfabe commentaries or other shoot companies or whatever the case may be. Is there anything here in the book that might surprise folks?
2: I would say to you that there's going to be more than just a few things that will surprise folks uh one of the reasons that i was actually prodded on to do this is because of the fact that every national publication whether it was the rise and fall of ecw on dvd or a book of same thing showman's saying to me is that true i say no he said well why didn't you tell them that when they interviewed you i said they never interviewed me he said what do you mean i said i've never been interviewed for any of these so-called you know recreations or retelling of how ecw was formed that's why they're all called unauthorized stories i had the authorized story i was there i was there for every little bit of it, every piece of it from day one it was an imagination so it actually became a real thing because let's tell them the authorized story then let's tell them the real truth so there are gonna be a lot of things that are gonna be blown up in that book you're gonna say whoa i always thought this is what happened no that's not what happened That's just the story that's going on for 30 years
1: Even the boys,
3: boys too, will be surprised. We were at a convention together a few months ago, and Todd was sitting with uh, Shane and uh, educating Shane on something Shane had come to believe as truth uh, for the reason Eddie Gilbert was let go. Um, It had been told all over the place, shoot interviews, uh, for his passing a comment about Todd's wife at the time, which ended up, I mean, he may have said it, but Todd will tell you, it ended up not being the case at all. Todd even wasn't even aware of the comment until after the fact when uh, Haman had had mentioned something to him. Um, so even the boys are getting a little bit of a re-education with Todd is God.
1: Well, uh, I'd known also- Eddie since 1970, so I was upset when he left, but I think Haman was the proper person to take it to the next level, so I didn't even know that. But the subtitle of the book, Todd is God, the author- the authorized story of how I created extreme championship wrestling Todd Gordon and Sean Oliver let me read this from Fonzie uh, quote if there was ever such a thing as an honest promoter it was Todd so that's high praise uh also I didn't even know that Todd's daughter she moved out to somewhere in Southern California uh tried out to be in the re glow Netflix show so that's in the book so you know we don't want to give away stuff but uh wow
0: Well, Mike, I want to bring up too. Obviously, Todd buying in after the whole Joe Goodhart days and when that went to shit, sadly. When did you learn Todd to pick up on when guys might be trying to work your
2: bullshit? And
0: yeah, being a promoter, not take be taken advantage
2: of. My very first show, Larry Winters. (laughs) Larry Winters, my very first show we did (laughs) at Bar. He was the name my Booker, and uh, as he was Joel's, and he wanted to do some angle. with was he, JT Smith, Tony Stetson, and um, DC Drake, I believe. Yeah. And angle where uh, they were gonna paint JT white, and I thought that was tasteless, and of course it was. And then I think you know, they know what you're doing. You don't know trust us, trust us, trust us. And the only way you're gonna ever get me to acknowledge anything is you got to do. If you do one, you got to do the other. If you're someone black, you got to paint somebody white. You got to keep it all straight. You can't make it look like some kind of, you know, whatever, prejudicial three on one thing. No problem, they said. They got up there, they ran the match, they came back, they forgot the black paint. So only JT got painted. And I took me about two seconds to realize that I worked and I was pissed. I said, Guess what, guys? As of now, I'm the booker. Anybody that's like what I say, they can get the hell out. I don't care. You know, I don't need to do this. It's like a little hobby I'm starting here. You don't want to be part of it? Don't be part of it. But don't bullshit me. I'm in business. I've been doing it all my life. I know I it's like when I'm to manipulate me or work me. I'm not going to have it. And I just took the book away and that was
1: it. Well, I, You mentioned TWA. I just want to say my gong editor, Wally Gamaguchi, had already purchased my plane tickets for that uh, Nature Boy versus Nature Boy, Buddy Rogers Landell versus Buddy Landell, Doc and Gordy against Crawford Furnace, All Japan War. So jazzed, but then depressed when it stopped. But then, thankfully, eastern Championship started you know it was and really
2: busted idol against jerry waller he had about 75 or 80 other wrestlers on that card Mean, he was
1: happy in a rematch it was absurd yeah it was that was packed with talent but you created talent to go along with you know everything else uh that you did you know so uh we weren't depressed for too long when twa you know kind of passed
2: that was the philosophy you started getting your local guys over in my very first show, I brought an Ivan Poloff, who was such a gentleman. The first thing he said to me is, who do you want me to put over? No. First, Ivan, you're a superstar. These kids are like, you know, He said, no, that's the business. I got to pay it forward. I got to help you build them. So it means something when they get in the ring. And I learned from him. I learned from Snooka. I learned, I learned from all the guys back then. As I was first getting my feet wet, I had such great teachers and great, you know, minds to, to be around. It was a fascinating time.
1: Did you ever get a chance to even talk to Bruno one-on-one because he actually watched and loved a lot of what you're doing because it wasn't just – he said it's not – he kept hearing it was all violence, but he goes, no, there's good Matt and Shane wrestling going on. There's all kinds of elements. It's not just one. Obviously, that might have gotten all the PR, but uh, there were other things happening.
2: That's the problem. Most people who hear of it are figuring, they go, oh, that was all that blood, and guts, and barbed wire. Yeah, but it was also – Tons of comedy with the BWL with Public Enemy, and there was tons of chain wrestling, as you said. There was every part of the business that was good, the best parts of each always on every show. It was never just one thing.
1: Yeah,
3: I heard Bruno was a huge fan of Angel Amoroso's chest. So <laughs> when that got bared in the ring and he put that over, that was it. That was the stamp of validity, uh, for Todd and, and ECW.
1: It, it was. Hey, the virgin princess is she in the book well we'll have to read it and see oh she's there everybody's in it well i remember her mom and sister coming with her to shows she was so nice you know wanted her pictures taken with them at these shows and uh even at the todd robbins uh, tom robinson benefit that you uh before the shane douglas thing which change the landscape. That was, you know, the gunshot heard around the world. But well before that, like two years before that, at least, uh, was the Tom Robinson benefit where you actually worked alongside uh, Dennis Coraluzzo. And what I like is he's even in here. But you look at the brilliant way you wrote the contents, table of contents for each chapter, there are nearly one word each that fully describe. People will get immediately you know, business, Goodheart, Eastern, enter Paul. Instead of enter Sandman, enter Paul. There was a lot of craft putting this whole book together. Just the table, you know, the contents. ECW afterlife, worker deaths, uh, storm clouds, partying, peaking. Great stuff, guys. That's Sean. Um,
0: well, I wanted to mention, too, because you mentioned about Ivan you know, showing respect and stuff. And in certain ways, the guy I'm thinking of showed Todd respect. And Sean had this story on the, one of the DVDs with you, Todd. And that was Road Warrior Hawk, where he called you and said, hey, I'm not going to make it. I'm going to be all fucked up and this, that, and the other. and But I'll make it up to you. And I thought that was very, what's it, honor among thieves.
2: That really was. He called me up and he said, I got to be honest with you. He said, You've been so nice to me I really dig working for you. And he took me when I had no job anywhere else. He said, But I'm going to lockdown this weekend. I said, You're getting arrested? He goes, No, 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 no. Lockdown. I are going to a cabin in the woods. Just smoke smoking up a bit. We won't be out for like two or three days. But I promise you'll come in next time. I'll do one show for free. I'll do one you know, another one. I'll do two shows for you. No problem. Sorry about that. But you gotta I'm being honest with you. So what was I gonna say? And you know, I was like, Thank you. I appreciate it. I did appreciate the respect, but yeah, Hope was a good dude too. Almost most, ninety percent of those guys that came through those doors were really good people.
1: You know who are two big Todd Marks or uh, Rick and Scott Steiner. They talk about you endlessly whenever I pull their ear at, at conventions or whatever, and talk. Uh, you know, they just did X amount of shots for you, but uh, they love you. Most everybody in the biz loves you. And one last thing, I'll throw back to Jonathan too is ECW Arena, your own venue. Almost, you know, X period of time, it becomes right in that lineage with MSG and Karaki and Hall. Everybody to this day, still, besides the ECW chants at arenas to this day, they think of, you know, anybody that goes, like Bully Ray just headlined uh, Bubba uh, Dudley, uh, headlined the main event at ECW Arena just last weekend, last Saturday. You know, we had a convention
2: there that day, I saw them. Wow. But yeah, that building it was just a warehouse. It was a toilet, basically. And it, it built up like a reputation and a mysteria, an aura, I should say, a mystery over the years that people come to Philadelphia. I've had people from Holland and like all different countries stopping by store and said, we came to Philadelphia on a vacation. I wanted to see if I can meet you at your store. I want to see the arena. It's wow. So they went over to the arena to see the arena. It was a crazy thing, crazy experience. But I get that all the time, and 30 years later, It's so humbling, Mike, I can't tell
1: you. Everything you touched, that was a mecca. uh, Yeah, just brilliant stuff.
2: But the legacy... I want to bring...
0: Sorry, what were you going to say, Todd?
2: The legacy is very humbling, it really is.
1: It was because it's so huge.
0: I want to bring up uh, something that I don't think many people realize, or at least... It's the whole telephone, telegraph, telewrestler. You know how that shit goes. But after ECW closed, there were a couple people ran at the old arena. You know, you had XPW and all. But rumor had it that Todd was involved early on with 3PW. It was run by Meanie and all that. So what was it like for you being involved with new companies like that trying to run your arena but also trying to live off the legacy of what ecw was
2: i actually did it with two companies 3pw which was jasmine st Clair and the blue Beanie. originally they just asked me to come down as a favorite of them because they wanted to do a match with new jack sandman and sabu and a body bag match and they were a little concerned whether they could control the three of them new jack was a wild card and Sandman was his own wild card so they had to come in and kind of like run the match for it referee the match, just you know, do the match for them. And I did, and gonna you know, give me a nice payday. And then they said, we should want to come back and do it again. Well, and then little by little, she ended up giving me a nice chunk of money to be her booker. So I just booked the shows for her. And I tried to use a lot of the same formulas, with just younger people. And bringing in some of the veterans, too, like Scorpio and Gary Wolf, who was local, and, of course, Beanie, who was there. So it was a combination of that and some young kids coming up, like a CM Punk you know some Indian guys on their way up and uh formula that worked it was good it was the same kind of formula as ECW with just different names and then we did it again with a uh, PWU uh same thing in that building and that was it that was my swan song
1: just briefly another tribute to you is the three-way dance everybody's done it since Shane Sabu Terry Funk obviously that was the best but yet another tribute to you i'm sure that's probably got to be in the book uh, sure.
2: mike we broke a lot of ground we did things that had never been done before the three-way dance is number one you see it everywhere now now you see five guys in the ring each fighting for themselves but back then you never had seen three nope. there's a whole new way of going about it the tables matches the the singapore king match i mean all of that was was first time done with us
1: Everybody uses a Singapore cane ever since ECW. I mean, every you see it every week now, still, after all these decades on TV.
3: One of the things oh. I want to point out as we talk about all the innovation, sorry, John, uh, is that um, it shouldn't be lost on anybody as they read this, that one of the formulas of Todd's and Paul's success was they listened to the workers, too. It wasn't like a top-down... Um, fascist dictatorship. Um, the guys they surrounded themselves with were so smart, um, the ones that were, and they knew when to listen to them too. So that in any leadership position is is so crucial. And I think that that, that was a unique thing with ECW also. It also helped with that to foster that brotherhood there as well.
0: I wanted to ask uh, Sean is you mentioned earlier about ECW uh, bringing you back in, you know, in terms of uh, suspending disbelief and all that fun stuff. And obviously you talked a lot on your different series about ECW and such. Is there something as a fan that really stood out for you that when you think ECW go wow. Um, It would be
3: any of those watershed moments that, all of the ecw fans share with me um the stuff that made it into the opening credits of the show the chairs with with mick and um and terry in the ring the chairs getting thrown in and strangely for me i mean i liked the daredevil aspect of ecw a little bit it was intriguing watching you jack go through seven tables but but that wasn't that wasn't what hooked me what what hooked me was I felt like the company was talking to me. I read the sheets. Like I knew the shit that was going on behind the scenes. I guess I was a smart Mark. I guess you could call me in college. And I felt like that company was talking to me. Um, the uh oh god, I'm trying to think offhand now. Todd, the the farewell match where where it, it, it was it took four was it like four pinfalls uh was Scorp- for Scorpio, yeah. Tell that story.
2: Well the thought was that we were everybody knew he was going to go to the WWE. It was it got out before the show had taken place. So we're gonna do a loser leaves ECW match, which is traditional, and uh that way you would you know card him off. I had an idea. I said, wouldn't it be funny if everybody's suspending him to lose and he won? Now, the other guy was suspended for like 30 days. And we did, we did it like three or four guys in a row. And the audience was going out of their minds. Each guy they thought, this is crazy. The Scorpio's one's leaving. Why, why are all these guys getting suspended? And then finally, brought out Louis Spicoli, I think it was, and finally beat him.
1: I uh, miss Louie. He started in SoCal with Bill Anderson and Jesse Hernandez as a, just a little kid. Really miss Louie a lot. A Great person. Another guy I want to throw credit to is Ron Buffon. I remember after post shows those tell daybreak, you know, tapings and getting everything just right over and over till it was perfect. And the, you know, Todd Gordon, the standard of excellence there again.
2: Ron's a, Ron and Charlie both were
1: terrific. What they did. Yeah, they don't always get the credit they should, but uh, well, we just did that. <laughs> How are we doing? Uh, John, how are we doing on your time? You're at the airport. Are we okay? Uh, I'm
0: going to close things out because obviously we want people to read the book and such, but I also want to bring up again, uh, Sean, uh, you have clicked this and stuff and I want to be a little real for a second here in terms of obviously you guys started the show. Then you got Kevin lost T and all that stuff. And obviously I still check out the show and stuff, but how is Kevin doing? This far out, because obviously there was a time period that because he's a witty guy and people took things the wrong way. Would he make jokes and whatnot? Yeah, well, you know, very
3: early on, we had the opportunity to establish the fact that Click This was going to be uh, the realest podcast out there when Kevin lost his son at 26 years old. And I spent the day making arrangements for guest hosts, uh, co-hosts and best of shows for the foreseeable near future. And Kevin texts me at five o'clock that night and says, I didn't get a link for tonight's show. And I said, because you're not doing one, Kevin, uh, this is day one. You lost your son this morning. And he said, I have to tell the world. I lost my son, not the media. And I, and from that point on, we didn't miss a week. He cried on air. He, Uh, unpredictably uh things come up and you know t's birthday which passed recently the the first fourth of july without him the first christmas the first thanksgiving fans lived all of that with kevin and i so kevin is doing as best as someone can do having gone through the unthinkable as a parent i guess is the stock reply
0: And my final question for Todd, and obviously we want people to get Todd as guys, but you mentioned there a few minutes ago about the legacy being humbling, even this far out from when everything started. What is the biggest thing for you that stands out when you talk about the legacy or ECW or just everything you've been involved with when uh, people approach you or forward to seeing in the book and whatnot.
2: I will tell you that I've never been more moved. I guess I would say we were at a convention within the last twelve months in Philadelphia. Gentleman had to be certainly in his fifties or sixties. Came over remember me and said, "You know, you saved my life." I said, "I did." What do I say? And I said, "I was the father." What would he mean? I saved your life. And he said, "No, no, no, really, I was suicidal." One night I was up. It's two o'clock in the morning, and I'm watching this UHF station. It's like channel forty-eight, wherever it was. And I saw ECW for the first time, and I was hooked and mesmerized. And I had to see what was going to happen because you left a cliffhanger. I could not wait to see what was going to happen the following week, and that took all thoughts of suicide away from me. And I've gone on to have a normal, relatively normal, healthy life, and I will always be near death for that. And, I, and I'm sitting here thirty years later, and I'm just dumbfounded and. Touched
0: and overwhelmed. Mike, you have anything to add before we uh, call today?
1: It wow, well, it's yeah, it's like Picasso. Todd created artwork. Uh, Sean, I want to say, Sean, uh, tell us where you want us to send people to purchase the book, and also your own books. You've had six books out besides writing TV scripts, doing the podcast with Kevin. Zen- million other things uh we'll probably have to have you back to talk about all the things you do kayfabe commentaries uh that Jonathan follows uh but where do, where should we send people for uh this great book Todd is God and your books too
3: well two things I want fans to go wherever their favorite outlet is for books whether it be target.com uh, Walmart uh barnes and noble amazon your local bookshop of course is always a great place to go to get your hands on todd as god it'll be available uh in hardcover in kindle and i recorded the audiobook last month for it so recorded books is the distributor of the audiobook version and i'd like to pose um a challenge to jonathan and mike after you've read the book cover to cover we're going to come back on and re-examine where todd gordon and Paul Heyman respectively sit in the public's perception of who did what in ECW.
0: I like that yeah. challenge. I am gonna pick up the book here when I get out to San Jose uh, in the next day or so. Well, pre-order, cause it's out the 25th, correct? Yes, officially. So 25th. I will accept that challenge, that is for sure. Gentlemen, thank you so much for the time.
2: Thank you both. It's really a pleasure. Hey, yeah,
0: Todd, love you. Hey there, Friday fans. We know how much you enjoy the movies. Enjoy grabbing your Friday merchandise and interacting with the Friday family, whether it be at conventions or during our particular watch-alongs. Well when you're looking to get yourself masks, why not check out our friends over at Camp Blood Customs out of New York State and order your specific custom mask from any of the films all orders are made specifically your needs and wants are make sure you find camp blood customs on facebook instagram and all over social media and order yours today
3: Boils and Ghouls, David Howard Thornton, Art the Clown himself, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio.
2: Choo-choo! Yeah Hi! Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.